So welcome to our podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs in the, this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Will Henry, and I'm accompanied by Lavelle Jackson and Daniel Lee. Fellas, I recently, or uh, I think this past week, the last couple of days, you got the CDC. They end up like loosening the restrictions on the face mask and, and, and whatnot. And so now they're saying that you can go outside and not be masked up. Um, so speaking of that, first and foremost, have you guys, you know, got got your vaccinations uh, yet? And if not, uh, when you plan on doing it, or do you plan on doing it? I got the Johnson Johnson on Thursday. Um, after doing the research, I felt good about it. I will say, uh, between Friday night and Saturday morning, the vaccine had me on kind of a standard eight count. Um, you know, but I, I stayed in the fight. So, um, so yeah, I figured it, you know, good to do in general, A, and then B, because you're not planning on traveling during the summer. And so, um, and so yeah, that said, I'm still going to keep the mask on. I'm, I'm not comfortable with, like, taking my mask off in public just yet. You know what I mean? So, for me, those guidelines, you know, despite what CDC put out, my own personal guidelines remain the same until further notice. I had my first shot uh, about a week ago. Um, it was the Pfizer, so I have to still plan for my second shot. Uh, I'm probably st- I'm gonna stay masked up until I get the second shot. Um, and and even then, I think I think it's kind of early to, for the about the mask mandate mandate simply because the percentage that's uh, currently uh, vaccinated. But that's my own personal opinion. I'm not, I can't tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Uh, I just can only give my viewpoint and my opinion on it, which is, you know, um, people have their fears about the vaccine and stuff like that. But you, but when I look at the, the type of people who have gotten the vaccine early, which is like people who are older or people who had health problems, and then I look at people who caught the, the COVID who are also older or had health problems, and those people are not here, and the people who took the vaccine is here. Now, I can't tell anyone what to do or what they should or shouldn't do. I just look at my own judgment. My mother had two heart transplants, you know, and she and she survived the vaccine. But I'm not confident she can survive COVID. So, you know, everyone do what you do. Uh, everyone do what you can to stay healthy. Shout out to your mom, man. I'm glad that she was able to survive those two um, surgeries. That's a major league right there. As far as myself, when it comes to um, vaccination, I got my second one. I got the Pfizer and the second shot I got March, I want to say March 13th. So as they say, two weeks after you get, you know, fully, fully vaccinated after those two weeks. So I've been moving around a little bit. Yesterday I went to DC for um, just to hang out. And it was really comforting to see there, like when I got out of my car and typically when I'm outside, I don't really have my, have my mask with me, but I don't really have it on. But the area that I was in in D.C., I felt like the odd one, the oddball, because of the fact that while I was walking around, everybody else had their mask on. So it kind of put me in a situation where I didn't want to feel like the oddball, so I put my mask on while I was outside. But like I said, it was refreshing to see people taking the virus serious. Um, and so, yeah, we can, like, things can get back progressively to normal. You know what I mean? Like you say, that's just like a personal thing you know everybody has the freedom to do what it is that they want to do but the best thing to do like for me personally is just to make sure that i'm being safe you know what i mean and also i don't want to if, if i'm around somebody that's affected you know, i don't know really know all of the science behind it but at the same time i don't want to put somebody else in jeopardy of getting it you know either so just to protect other people even though i'm fully vaccinated i still will wear my mask especially indoors and if i'm around people but I think that topic is a little heavy. You know what I mean? We we, we uh, want to get off into some of these boxing topics. And this week, again, I think it should be a short episode. But, you know, sometimes we're a little long-winded. Um, but let's go ahead and start our conversations off with that fight yesterday. That was a, um, a pretty, pretty uh, grueling fight, um, which was the Luis uh, Miri versus Brandon Figueroa fight on Showtime yesterday. Uh, what do you guys think about that fight? 
I actually uh, like this card top to bottom. And the interesting thing is, even the opener, I wasn't really, you know, interested in watching it. You know, I'm like, you know, who who are these guys, whatever. But uh, but it was a it was a great experience. You know, I had my wings, had my adult beverage. You know, it was one of those cards that you could just enjoy. You can sit back and enjoy, and not you know, think too hard about it. Um, but for the main event, you had Lewis Neary, uh, 31 and 0. Uh, 24 knockouts against Brandon Figueroa, who was, uh, was 21 and 0 with 16 knockouts, uh, both undefeated, you know, coming this fight. Uh, Neary was moving, uh, he, he was defending his title that he had just got from uh, moving up. Um, I think it was like his maybe second or third fight at 122. Uh, he previously fought at uh, Bantamweight. Uh, he had some, you know, decent names on his resume, like Shizuki uh, uh, Yamada. Um, and also uh, against Brandon Fidiora, who was pretty much on a come up, you know. Um, but I, I think even though Neri is taller, I think Figueroa was, you know, he's naturally 120. Um, and both guys said they were going to come forward and it was going to be a brawl and they're going to do what they're going to do to push the, the other one back. How this fight played out, I think Neri more so, when, whenever it's two guys who are, you know, um, going to come forward and going to brawl, I always look at like, Number one, who is doing the most damage, and then I look at uh, who is 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 applying more skill because sometimes in a in a fight, even in a, 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 a fight between brawlers, there's usually you know some some skills that are being used. Um, so right off the bat, I saw that Neri, you know, he had the, he was working behind his southpaw jab, and his defense was a a, a little better initially. You know, but Figueroa, he was just coming forward, you know, standing in front of him and bringing that pressure. Um, and and I think Neri just just couldn't keep up the pace. I think Figueroa was, was setting his pace that was just too much, even though he was more so brawling. And I think Neri was winning those some of those early rounds. Um, he was tired out the, from the pace, and Figueroa was taking advantage of that. And uh, Visibly in the seventh, Neri just started getting very, very tired. You can just see it. And then um, Figueroa hit him with the, hit him with a, a, a uppercut to the uh, kind of uh, of an uppercut slash uh, hook hybrid that hit him in the you know uh, Neri in the solar plexus, and Neri went down for the count. You know, so it, it was a good win. Um, of, co- of course, uh, on the horizon for for the winner, which is Figueroa, is. Uh, Stephen Fulton, which, you know, that'll be interesting to fight to watch this September. Really is nothing else to discuss. I mean, you broke down really what happened throughout the course of the fight. Only thing I can add in there is that Neri, he did have an edge and punches landed. He landed 209 overall punches to Figueroa, 177 um, punches that he landed. And, you know, it's a really good scrap. You know, I really enjoyed it. Um, as you stated, Neri pretty much had his way early, you know, but you can tell that that constant pressure and that physical size of Figueroa was wearing down. And just as one of the announcers was saying it, that tide is turn or something like that, he said, that's when um, Figueroa landed that body punch. You know, I don't even know if he was trying to throw it there, but where he landed, it just was in the wrong spot and Neri couldn't um, continue, you know, after that, that punch, that was, a, that was a brutal shot. But I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that Fulton and Figueroa fight. I think that Fulton is – he should win um, because of the fact that he's not one that's going to sit there and just brawl, you know, with Figueroa the way that um, Neri did. Like I said, Neri was doing a really good job. It's just it's just too – I don't know, like that that size. All right, sweetheart, you have a good one. Um, that size that he had, um, it just – it did too much. It was doing too much to um, – Neary in terms of him being able to he just couldn't overcome it like throughout the course of that fight it just it just wore him down and then Figueroa did a good job of like constantly going to the body even though he was walking in the shots at some certain times he still was like putting that mental pressure that physical pressure those punches you know what I mean he was landing every now and then um, but like I said it's going to be interesting to see the matchup between Figueroa and Fulton um, like I said I think Fulton should win that fight but at the same time, he could have a similar situation because of the fact that Figueroa is going to keep coming. And 
I don't think Fulton hits nearly as hard as Neary, so I don't think that he's going to be able to, like, deter Figueroa at any point in that fight. It's just going to be a matter of he's, if he's outclassing him and Figueroa just can't land shots on him and he might just get mentally exhausted and mentally drained. So, but, you know, as far as last night, very good win, and I look forward to seeing this next matchup for that unification bout. Yeah, I'm going to try not to say the same thing you guys have said. Uh, you guys did down per usual. Um, I personally had a 58-56 Neri going into the seventh round where he got knocked out. And um, Neri did a good job of finding his range early. And Figueroa, you know, he he liked to get in and cl- get in close and drop bombs, which kind of fed into what Neri was doing. But Neri couldn't maintain that pace, which is which is understandable. He was throwing a lot of shots in those earlier rounds. And um, he had the right idea to his point. You know, he threw out of the 209 shots that Neri landed, um, 76 of them were body punches. So he kind of had the right idea, uh, you know, going into it. He just got caught with a with a brutal one that kind of that kind of took him out of the game. And even when he walked to the back, he was still holding that spot. But, you know, like you guys said, the interview with Stephen Fulton, the self-proclaimed king at 122, he's a WBO champ. Um, he thought Daenerys should go back to 118. I'm not sure if that's the case. I think Daenerys can have success at 122. I don't think his success will come from throwing a lot of bombs in, in fighting um, against that weight class that he's sort of getting accustomed to. Um, but I think he can have success. Um, I thought he should have employed a better strategy um, in, in terms of pacing himself. But credit to Figueroa for forcing him to fight that way because Figueroa was coming in. And, you know, when a fighter's coming in, um, sometimes they can pressure you to throw those bombs. But, uh, you know, very good fight, like you said. Well, I'm looking forward to the Figueroa and Fulton unification in September. I also like that, you know, it's not a whole lot of surprise with what's going on in that division. You know, you have two fighters that, that fought. They they fought for a title yesterday. And um, in September, you know, the next two champions are going to fight and they're going to unify. Like, that's it, – it's refreshing to see – you know, to not have any questions about okay, who's gonna fight, who's who's next, and you know, it will it be unification? It, it's just refreshing to see that. You know what I mean? But um, did you guys have anything more, anything else more to add with that? Yeah, two things. Uh, the first thing is, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm definitely looking forward to that Stephen Fulton versus uh, Brandon Figueroa matchup. I, I like how they match up. I like you know how they you know they're they're very competitive, even in their 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 trash talk. It wasn't too much as, as in, as in, man, you're not on my level and I'm not, I don't, I don't even need to fight you and stuff like that. These guys want to get it on, you know, it's, it's fresh to see two young fighters undefeated. They have a lot to lose. Who still like, I want to get it on, you know? Uh, I, now what, how this fight plays out, um, as you'll say, as you said, Danny, it kind of does depend on um, if, if Fulton can handle that pressure that Figueroa brings. Uh, of course, he may not have the power of Neri, but I think Fulton has a, a, a excellent engine. He may have a better engine than Brandon Figueroa, uh, and we see, you know he can you know he can bang to the body and brawl also. But at the same time, Fulton has a, a I think he has more aspects to his game. I, he can box also and avoid uh, Figueroa's punches. I mean, re- pretty much, I think Figueroa has to be ready for Steve, Stephen Fulton, in my opinion. But I still think it's going to be a, a excellent matchup. Um, two young fighters undefeated. A lot of top guys can learn a lot from from what they just saw yesterday. And the second thing is, is shout out to PBC. This is like one of the first time I actually see them uh, actually recognize champions that wasn't even, even in their stable. I mean, I, I saw names that I knew was inside of PBC, and, and to see them step out of that zone and say, "Look, you know." We just want to see good fights. I, it was refreshing to watch, you know, especially in the in the boxing political landscape. Yeah, only a couple of things I want to add. I mean, you know, shout out to them dudes for getting it on and unifying belts. But the interesting thing that I was looking at is that, like, those are the two, like, according to, like, Rain Magazine and, 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 or, and places like that, they don't regard those guys as – the top two guys in the division. So it's just interesting to see them fighting in a unification match where you got a couple other guys who are actually rated ahead of them. I can't pronounce the guy who's the IBF 
um, and WBA regular champ. But um, he's he's number one according to Ring. And then you got I want to say Daniel Roman. That's how you pronounce his last name. That's mm-hmm. But with that being said, I think honestly, I don't know those two. I, I, really, to be honest, which that's the first time I ever saw saw Neri fight. Um, when I last time I checked out Stephen Fulton, that was the first time I saw him fight. When I saw those dudes fighting, I thought to myself, "Who are?" And I don't want to talk down on these guys, but I just don't see. I think that this would be a good matchup if they were fighting to see who was fighting, going to fight for a belt. But I don't look at these guys like it was hard to even. Now it turned out to be a good fight yesterday, but it's hard to even really. look forward to like because again like if these dudes were just fighting and they weren't champions then i can see it but these are really full-fledged champions like fulton has a wbo belt it's not a regular belt or anything like that um figueroa has one of the belts and like i said they just seem like some of the least high caliber or whatever you want to say as far as champions that you have but again shout out to them for although they have belts that they are willing to get it on with one another. Cause this is what I see. I see like somebody like Donaire, Donaire, not Donaire. Um, what's my man name? Um, Anui. Yeah, Anui can go up there and just dog walk one of the dudes and go get them belts and go back down if he wants to. You know what I mean? Like that's just an easy route for Anui to do. You know something like that. But anyway, I don't want to talk down on them. Congratulations, good win yesterday, Figueroa. You know, shout out to you. Shout out to Fulton for, you know, accepting the match. Y'all going to have your unification about. I don't want to be a Danny Downer on y'all. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a good scrap, all things considered. Um, and you know what? I like that that Carson venue. I feel like that Carson venue is known for having those 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 scraps where, you know, where Lavelle kind of mentioned where you could just kind of watch and not to think too much about. You know, you can go in and get some good fights. Uh, you may not know the guys going into it, but you get some solid fights. Um, you know, on that note, that same weight class, uh, you had Daniel Roman and Ricardo Espinoza. Um, they fought on that um on that final undercard. Um, you know, I saw I saw most of it. Uh from what I saw, Espinoza, he started the fight with a pretty furious pace and he gave Roman a lot of trouble early. Um, but Roman got his timing down and his counter became very effective later on. Um, I don't I don't have like the, the numerical score, but I scored it basically six rounds in favor of of uh of Roman and four rounds in favor of Espinoza. Uh and at sixth round you can sort of start to see the tide start to change. And by that seventh round I got the sense that Roman was in control of the fight. Um in the last four rounds, Roman landed one hundred and one punches compared to Espinoza sixty six. Uh, the copy box had it. Uh, Roman landed 220 out of 756. Espinosa landed 190 out of 724. So it was a pretty action-packed fight. You know, again, one of those good scraps that you could just, you know, you could just sort of sit down and, and drink with your adult beverage, and uh, and just kind of enjoy it for what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you said it correctly, Danny. Um... This was, it was a you know it was a nice scrap. Uh, I didn't think too hard about it, um, but again, you know when it, when it's two guys who are electing to you know brawl and come forward, I, I do look at the you know who's imposing their will or who uh, is opposing their skill. And I think uh, Roman was opposing more skill. Of course, es- uh, Espinosa was giving trouble uh, early early with the pressure and stuff like that. Um, and they both were kind of you know coming forward and you know trying to bring that pressure to each other um but roman started to to counter more i think around maybe the fourth round start to to, to throw more counter punches and and, and and to me i think counter punching counter punches it, they, they see they, they sound more effective they look more effective to the eye when you see it because it just catches the other guy off guard even if they're walking through your counter it looks good off guard you know i mean it looks good hitting somebody you know uh like that, like for example, when I saw um, what was that fight, Miguel Cotto versus Antonio Margarito, Cotto's punches just looked beautiful because it it, it was just counter shots. He you know he's catching uh, Margarito coming forward, 
But in this fight, yeah, Roman, you know, turned it up the second half of the fight, and that's when he pretty much won his fight. And he won it with, you know, skill and some, you know, uh, a little bit of a, of, a, of the engine that he showed to keep up with Espinoza, Espinoza uh, because the numbers wasn't, you know, too far off. The, the skills that he showed can pay the bills. Moving right along, there's been, you know, some, some action going on, some talking, some a press conference and, and, and things being said and, and tempers being flared against uh, two guys that's, you know, set the fight um, on June 6th next month in the exhibition fight. And I'm talking about none other than the, 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 the biggest cash cow of, of the last uh, probably ever, you know, Floyd, May, Floyd Money Mayweather, you know, versus uh, the biggest YouTuber, <laughs> Logan Paul. Uh, this matchup been talked about for you know a few months. It's, it's finally was announced, and we saw these guys, you know, uh, in a press conference. Uh, what do you guys think of this uh, matchup, and what's what's been going on in the media? All right, so you know, I just kind of laid out there. Mayweather's forty four, five and uh, he's five foot eight, uh, fifty and no as a professional boxer. Logan Paul is twenty six. He's zero and one. Oh, one and one as a professional boxer. He lost to another, I guess, YouTuber, KSI, in 2019. Um, he's 6'2", 76 inch reach, with, and he raised about 200 pounds. He fights at, his first fight was at Cruiserweight, uh, which is his strength in this fight. So, um, you know, based off his size alone, he has a puncher's chance that he can do damage if he connects with Mayweather. The thing is, it's Mayweather that we're talking about here. So, um, and on top of that, you know, going into training, right? Like, you know, the camp is a big, a big deal going into fights. Mayweather can find a ton of Logan Pauls to spar to get him ready for Logan Paul. Paul can't find him a ton of Mayweathers to, to spar to get him ready for Mayweather. He can find people with his bill and people that can try to emulate his style, but that's it. Um, nobody is really a Mayweather out here. And so, um, you know, even... And, and look, I'll give him credit because, you know, to write him off as a YouTuber is, you know, it, I get it. But, you know, he has been seriously doing some boxing training for the last few years. So I give him credit for that. Um, and I respect that. But this is one of the goals we're talking about here. And, you know, I, I'll just say that he has a puncher's chance. Um, but, you know, based off what I said earlier, the fact that you can't really train for a Mayweather because he's Mayweather. Um, he'll come in here kind of ill-prepared off top, off the strength of that. And I think Mayweather should outclass him fairly easily. Uh, I think I think this um, – I actually like this fight for Mayweather. You know, I'm all about, hey, if you want to get your money, get your money, you know. Um, it's interesting uh, how this plays out. A lot of people look at the the, the the size of Logan Paul compared to Mayweather. I don't, I'm not even sure that that's going to play a factor. If anything, I think that's going to play against Logan Paul more than it does for him. Uh, and I mean that because a lot, a lot of casual fans will look at that size and say, well, Logan Paul has a chance. Guys Mayweather size spar with bigger guys all the time, you know, and, and especially if they're inexperienced, they're going to whip them, you know. Uh, We've seen Canelo spar with heavyweights. Um, of course, it's an exhibition, but this, this is Mayweather we're talking about. And and yeah, shout out to Logan Paul. I know he's, he's serious about training. I watch him fight. I mean, he's a, he's a serious guy trying to fight, but I think he's in over his head when you're talking about one of the the, the, the greatest of all time and definitely the, the greatest of the last you know uh, era. You know, I think he's way in over his head. He's gonna find out. How Mayweather looks, you know, makes him look silly. I think Mayweather's going to definitely play with him, you know, because of course it's an exhibition. Um, I think this is going to be a more um, walkover fight than uh, even the uh, Conor McGregor fight, because at least Conor McGregor is is pretty much way more experienced in, even in fighting. Even though I think Logan Paul uh, is more serious when it comes to boxing, but uh, this will be an interesting matchup. I, I think Mayweather's going to, you know, again, uh, outclass him, make him look stupid. Um, as for the press conference, <laughs> it, it, it was funny to watch, you know, Logan Paul t- took his hat away and Mayweather got upset. 
Um, personally, I'm not, I'm not, I think it was kind of staged. <laughs> if anything, I think Logan Paul staged, and I don't know if Mayweather, you know, was part of it or not. Most likely he probably was. Because uh, you notice a lot of this took place uh, uh, during the fight week of, of Canelo's fight. And, and with Mayweather, I've noticed that normally happens when there's a, another cash cow out there. You know, he he, he kind of is like, I'm going to make people talk about me more. You know, and he did his job. So I, people are interested. They're going to buy that pay-per-view. And they're going to – and even look at the, whatever the undercross has been discussed, it's going to be an interesting card to watch. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Floyd got the memo um, as far as them trying to upstage Canelo um, in terms of with the Jake that grabbed his hat. I don't think he got the memo as far as that's concerned. He probably I think it was Logan, right? Or Jake. Jake, Jake is the one that grabbed the hat. Oh, okay, Jake. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, I don't think um, he got the memo as far as Jake grabbing his hat and running off. Um, like that because I can just tell in his tone and some of the things that he was saying as far as like mess him up you know and he didn't use those words but just how his tone I never seen Floyd get that upset you know what I mean in any press conference I heard him talk crazy but I think that just his tone suggested to me that that wasn't staged that part of it wasn't I think probably pretty much everything else may have but as far as the fight is concerned I think that they may be um Really, I think that I know that that's their persona to like egg people on and talk crazy. But in this situation, I think they're doing themselves a disservice because I think that that's going to want make Floyd want to do a man more as opposed to I think that if this incident had not happened, then Floyd may have taken it easy on him a little bit, played around. I don't see him playing around with him as much as him wanting to punish him just based on what transpired in the press conference and also wanting to get at Jake afterwards. But, you know, and that's what I see happening. I think, you know, as you stated before, the size is um, Logan's big advantage. He's a big guy. and He typically fights around 200 pounds. I'm hearing that they have a catch weight where Floyd can't come above 160 and he can't come um, higher than 190, which is going to be very interesting. You know what I mean? I've never seen a fight like that take place before when you had such a huge gap in weight. And, um, you know, Jake does have power. I've seen what he did to KSI. Now, KSI is no Floyd. But, you know, you have a big man like that last time push on you, anything can happen, you know. And every now and then, you know, you have situations where somebody gets caught with a punch that they don't see. I don't necessarily see that happening because Floyd is like an expert you know, to the highest level when it comes to the sport of boxing. But he's been off for so long, too. And sometimes you can't keep, you know, playing these games where it's not going to catch up with you eventually. So I don't know if, if Logan is going to be the guy that's going to be able to do anything with Floyd. But Floyd better be careful when he keeps coming out of retirement, taking several years off, that you just don't know at that advanced age, you know, with deterioration has taken place with your skill, but he should still have enough to handle somebody like Logan Paul. The only other thing that I want to mention as well is that I know Floyd loves his money and he's going to make um, a huge payday in this fight, you know, but sometimes also you got to take into consideration. He's not fighting another professional. He's fighting somebody who's a YouTuber. And now if they just went ahead and had the fight and Floyd, you know, it's an exhibition, you know what I mean? And they go ahead and just have the event. You don't have all of the shenanigans like that took place inside the um, press conference that they had a week or so ago. Then that would be okay, I would think. But Floyd has built himself up where whether you like him or not, he's been like the standard in boxing, right? It's, it's a certain class that he has, again, regardless of how you feel about him you still see everything being so it's been done the right way. He's been the pillar of like how a person in boxing should market themselves in terms of like, when you see a Floyd Mayweather card, a Floyd Mayweather press conference, a Floyd Mayweather fight, it's a certain class that's there. Now he's kind of tarnishing that when he's having those press conferences like this, it's becoming like a circus at more so than the way he marketed himself before. So he has to be careful in that regard. 
because you don't want to turn us turn us um, all of that um, in which you built up throughout the course of your career. You follow what I'm saying? So um, that's all I have. You guys got anything else you want to add uh, when it comes to this matchup between Logan Paul and Floyd Money Mayweather? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so Mayweather is probably going to be no more than 160 pounds. Logan Paul is what? He's going to be, well, he probably around 198. I guess what? He's supposed to go down to 190 or something like that. <laughs> Am I following that correctly? So, um, look, if Floyd's going to fight cruiserweights, you might, he might as well go up, fight that Mike Tyson fight, man. I'm still going to talk about it. The best ever versus the baddest man on the planet, exhibition style. You know, it'll be the richest fight in history, and it'll be still be an exhibition. You know, two old men get that money. Canelo can't make a fight that will make more money than Floyd Mayweather versus Mike Tyson. And I want .02% wired to last ones at the bar for coming up with that concept when it comes. Like I said, the only thing I would say is that, you know, in a situation like that, you know, although it would be a lucrative match, you want to be able to enjoy, you know, proceeds if you're a fighter. And I don't think Floyd would be in a situation where he'd be able to enjoy himself after making all of that money, unless he just want to sacrifice himself for his family. But he don't seem like the type of guy that, you know, would be interested in not being able to um, enjoy the fruits of his labor. Yeah, maybe I agree with that. But also it's bragging rights. See, see, because this goes beyond boxing fans. You know, we know where Floyd sits as far as historical context and all that. But in an average person, casual fan, if he's able to survive a Mike Tyson and makes Mike Tyson look silly, they're going to say he's the best of all time, and they'll, that will be that. You know what I'm I, That's I, something you can't buy. I totally disagree. I think that that would be like, again, I, I said this before, I think that would be the worst career decision that Floyd Mayweather has ever made at this stage of his career. I was watching how Roy Jones, like the body shots that Mike Tyson was landing on Roy Jones. And it seemed like Mike wasn't really trying to go to the head against Roy, but he was landing those body shots. And I know that Roy had to be like, for the least two or three weeks, like that body had to be like, you know, just real achy. You know what I'm saying? So just, I could just imagine Floyd being 150 something, going against somebody that size, that massive, with that amount of power makes no sense the other reason why it makes no sense is that floyd is not going to win over certain people it's like trying to get a racist person to not saying that a racist person doesn't like floyd. i'm just saying just in general if you're trying to just have a conversation with a, a, a racist person and you're trying to get them to see things your way you're never going to do that a lot of times and floyd the people that don't like floyd it's not nothing that he can do he can go in there with mike tyson Let's say for us he's successful. They're going to say that they were staged. They're going to say that Mike was old. They're going to say all of these type of things. They're not going to give him credit. And don't let him mess around and get stopped. And then it's just going to tarnish everything that he did. So he can't win in that situation to those people who you said would say that he is the greatest. They're not going to do it. They'll find a way not to give him credit for it. And he's going to be in a hospital all beat up, you know what I mean, and tubes and stuff hanging out of him. You know, <laughs> I don't know. If that's definite because you know Floyd does. He, he's a lot fast. He's quick. He's he's quicker than current Roy Jones. He's just smaller, and he can't take that type of uh, punishment. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a big money fight. You know, it'll bring in a lot of money. You know, a lot of notoriety. Notoriety. I watch it just for the press conference, just to see. How they react with each other, you know, talking the trash, talking all that, you know. I, I get your point. Some of it's silly, but we gonna be we gonna be you know make these circuses, make the biggest one, you know, <laughs> go all out with a bang. Well, you know, the other week I think it was last week. It was much to do about Billy Joe Saunders, him um, not finishing a fight against Canelo. A lot of people saying that he quit. Some people saying he should have went out on a shield. Uh, what are you guys' philosophy when it comes to that? Like fighters going out on a shield, is that something that a fighter should do? Is that a, something that a fighter, you know, shouldn't have to consider, you know, doing that if they have like a career ending 
type of injury, do you think that they should have that flexibility of being able to say, you know what, I'm going to live or fight another day, or should they automatically have to go out on their shield? Okay. Uh, first off, I'm going to state this. You know, uh, it's almost like a disclaimer. I'm not a fighter. So, so it's not really up to me to criticize guys or tell them whether they should go out and shoot or not. Or not. I don't get hit in the head, face and body for a living. You know, and it, you know, I don't. I don't do that. That's that's just not my profession. But that said, as we stated last week, uh, Billy Joe Saunders did it to himself. You know, Billy Joe Saunders has no one to blame for this except himself. He's the one that that criticized Daniel Dubois, called him a quitter, everything in the book, said he would do this and go out on his shield and all that. Boxing is a game is – boxing, the type of game boxing is, talk is cheap. People will respect you more if you just didn't talk than if you just start talking some stuff and talk about something that you're not willing to do. Now, if he would have if, – if, if Billy Joe Saunders would have been more willing to go out there the next round, I'm pretty sure – you know, Canelo was stopping within that first minute, you know. Yeah, he would cure some damage. But then again, that would that would have would have would have people wouldn't be talking about it as much as they are now. I mean, yeah, his trainer quit for him. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Is he really either the trainer or the referee that the fighter shouldn't really be doing that unless they're like obviously hurt, as in the case of uh Afredo Angulo against uh, Arislandi Lara when he had his over the bone broken, you knew right away that he was messed up. And he said, hey, look, I can't do it. Even Daniel Dubois, um, he was injured, but he kept going out there and, until he just didn't have enough. You can see that he didn't have enough. But neither of those guys are going to go talking about, talk, you know, criticizing another fighter who has that type of injury. You know, Billy Joe Saunders did to himself. Um, talking all that trash, criticizing another fighter who put his life on the line. And and here he is almost about to end his career. You know, it's almost like a, a karma situation. And uh, how I feel about guys going out on a shield, it, it definitely depends on the fighter too. Also, because, you know, fighters have different, um, fighters have different thresholds of pain. We're all human. We're different. Fighters have different, you know, styles that they fight in. Some will take punishment more than others. Some, you know, they're like, hey, look, I mean, I gave all I can, can you know, I'm going to get my paycheck. I want to see my kids. I have kids. And this, especially when fighters get older, they're more or less likely to go out on their shield. Um, but when I, when I do see a fight, one thing I do look for is when a fighter is really, really hurt, are they the ones to quit or is the ref and trainer the ones to quit? I think a fighter... Of course, you know, quitting is going to, you know, come into your mind. And, and But at the same time, um, I think it's more so the referee and, and, and trainer's job to officially make that happen. And, and I also have to, to say that there's a difference between just being a quitter and just quitting because you've had enough. Like, as I stated before, my first example with that friend Angulo, he had enough. He had to or even when you look at Miguel Cotto against Eternal Margarito, which was a questionable victory for Margarito, you could tell Cotto had had enough. You know, that that, that I'll even call that uh, kind of retiring. That wasn't necessarily quitting. I was retiring, saying, hey, "Look, I put up the flag. That's it." You know, quitting is like you know, kind of like what Victor Ortiz did against Marcos Maidana when he just packed it up and said, in a fight that he, you know, it was kind of give and take, and he said, "Hey, look." That's it. You know, I, won't, I don't want to take any more punishment. That's more so quitting to me. But again, as a disclaimer, I, I'm not a fighter, so I'm not. This is just my opinion. Right. So as far as um, just in general, going out on your shield, you know, when I think of that, even at times, fighters like Fernando Vargas come to mind because Fernando Vargas, I know he always talks about having that he's an ass table, got that heart. You know what I mean? And that, that, that's how you want to handle it. Like, don't throw any tile in for me. You know what I mean? I want to go ahead and fight until I have no fight left. You got to beat it out of me. And, you know, you got to stop me. You know what I mean? In order for me to take the loss or if it just goes to a decision. Um, I look at it like that. You know, I know it seems like it's, it's harsh, but that's the way I, I look at it um, because I just think in certain professions, that 
if you sign up for it, right? If I'm a person and I enlist myself into the military. Now, if you go ahead and say, you know what, I volunteer to join the military services and so on and so forth. Now, you know what that entails. You might have to go to war. You might be put in a situation where you might not make it out of there. And if you are okay with that, if you're cool with that and you understand that, then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I look at that as like it's, football is not what it used to be in the past, but I look at it like that as well. If you sign up and you say, I want to play football, I mean, it's a good chance that you might have CTE. You follow what I'm saying? Because that's the nature of that sport. So if you sign up for it, then you got to, you know, take what comes with it. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I think boxing is the same way. You know what I mean? And then I just give a couple examples. You know, I just think that, especially with a fighter, man, like as I think about examples throughout the years, you know what I mean? Like, first of all, let me go ahead and start with football. Like those guys who like they had a passion for the game. So that's what they need interested in watching the game because I know that you are passionate about what it is that you do. Now, if you're just out there because you have some athleticism and you can play, but you know, you injure all the time and you halfway not even really the trainers or whoever is not really saying you injured, but you want to take yourself out or whatever. I don't really, why am I watching you? You follow what I'm saying? Because that's what you get getting paid for, right? That's why you're getting those type, type of dollars. But again, the risk comes with it. You know what I mean, that's why you get paid all of that money. And I'll give you an example. Like I think of guys, and I don't even really watch football that much anymore. I'm not getting off topic, but it's because of that. It's not what it, you know, like, I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. I'm like some plays, it's like they call penalties and he hit them too hard or, you know, I'm like, what? This is football. But when you think about it, like when I used to love the sports, we had guys like Ronnie Lott. Now, he may have think that it's a bad decision now, but at the time, like, I think it was 86, 85, they told a man that you can go ahead and you, you're going to be out eight weeks. Your pinky is broke. You'll be out eight weeks. We'll put it in a splint so on and so forth or he said well is there any other way i could play well you know we can chop it off the man chose option b he chose to get the hand chopped off because he didn't want to spend eight weeks out away from his team so he decided to take that route i think it was jack young it was one of those super bowls he had two broken bones in his leg man give me a shot man i gotta play in this game you know, like that heart and then not only did the man play in the super bowl the man played in the pro ball too with a two broken i'm like come on man like that's the heart and the passion now somebody probably should have came in and said you know what jack man we'll try to get there you know the following year or whatever but we can't have you out there like that um ronnie lott you know what i mean we we understand your passion maybe you should consider life after football you know what i mean but somebody else probably could have came in there to help those guys out and then when i think of boxing man i think about guys like i told you the story before eric harding out of philadelphia he was getting I mean, um, Antonio Tarver had the man spaghetti legs. Like, you couldn't be more out without being out than he was. They was fighting in Indianapolis. Roy Jones was the main event. It was a rematch. Hit the dude. He's wobbly. The referee went over there. I'm like, please stop this fight, ref. He said, are you okay? He looked at the ref. He said, man, I'm from Philadelphia. And he wanted to go back out there. I can't remember if he did or if he didn't. But at the same time, like, that just gave me chills because this dude was willing to go out. Like, he ain't, you know, I I still have something left in me. So that's when I think about, like, a fighter. You know what I mean? Not a boxer. Even Pernell Whitaker, his last fight that he had, it was a Tuesday night fight or something like that. Or I know it was on ESPN, too. He was fighting that guy. And it showed, like, he couldn't even, like, cut, like stand up straight. And the dude was kind of powerful, um, Carlos Barocas, I think that was his name. And he was like, he was fighting Lou Duvenham not to stop that fight. Even though he wasn't anything he really could do outside of just trying to get away. And every time he would get hit in it, it would like just be so painful. It was excruciating pain that he was going through. But you like that dog and that fight in him. You know what I mean? Like that's what I see like in a fighter. And the last thing I'm going to say is this, you know, um, I just think like, like I said, a fighter is supposed to have that in them like you might want to have you a good enough team that's gonna you know keep you away from harm's way but at the same time you as a fighter you gotta always want to come out out there for more and another fighter um because it'll eat at you 
that that'll mess you up if you end up deciding not to go on. It's like that saying that um, Ernest Hemingway had when he said, "A coward dies a thousand deaths, but a hero only dies once." It'll eat at you. And I'll give you the last thing I'm saying. Remember, um, Vitaly Klitschko. Vitaly Klitschko had an arm injury against Chris Bird. And I remember he ended up quitting on the stool. And he had that stigma about him that from quitting that time. And I know it had to eat, eat at him because when he fought against, I want to say it was Lennox Lewis, and he had that eye that was just like a huge cut in his eye. He was like, no, I'm not. Like, But the referee had to stop the fight because the cut was just that bad. But living with that stigma and he knew that the fact that he ended up quitting that he wasn't gonna ever do that again you know what i mean so i just think that when it comes to that type of thing why don't you out on your shield you got to have that in you as a fighter um now you can be a boxer you know what i mean but i don't think that you you know ever be considered an all-time great if you don't have that dog in you the one to continue no matter what is going on in that fight, no matter where you are. You know what I mean? I don't care how groggy you are. I don't care what the injury is. You want to get out there, but somebody else can come in there and stop the fight, but you can't do it as a fighter. Both you fellas made very good points, and I'm going to try to kind of lay it out there from as many different angles as possible. I will say that from a fighter's perspective, right, so fighters have trained their whole lives to get to a particular point in their careers, right? And in that career, and as Billy Joe Sanders potentially found out, any moment can be your last, okay? So that can mean in terms of your health. That can mean in terms of maybe you face a step-up opponent or maybe you get a title shot. If you lose... It could be back to the drawing board for you. And you don't know if you ever get back to that point again. So so you got that. And then you look at the history of the sport. You look at all the warriors who've gone out on their shields. And I completely understand any fighter who wants that for themselves. You know what I mean? Hats off to you. I've never got to that point. You know, to your point, Will, uh, you made this point. But it's also up to the fighter's corner to save themselves from themselves sometimes, you know? Um the corner is there to make sure that that fighter has the longest career possible and goes to their next fight as healthy as possible. Now, I think it boils down to what that fighter decides to do for themselves in the heat of the moment and what they and, and what they really care about, right? So as a fan, you, you want to see the fighter go out on their shield, you know? Like aesthetically, it makes for a better ending. You know what I mean? Like going back to that fight last week, um it would have been a better look if Sanders would have went back out there in the ninth round. And even if it would have taken like one punch in like the 10 seconds into that round, trying to get knocked out, it would have looked better aesthetically. It would have been more aesthetically pleasing. But, you know what I mean? For me, with a, I have kind of like a basic understanding of how thankless a fight game could be. I can understand if a fighter decides to take a knee. You know what I mean? And I'll just I'll, I'll say this. You know what I mean? I've only been a fan, a, a serious fan, I would say, of the sport of boxing for maybe 10 years. So so the, a lot of the Warriors that have went out on their shields and a reference here, like, they're kind of before my time. And I'm kind of in the era of, of where fighters sort of uh, across the board, players in general, like athletes, are taking control of their careers and their destinies in football and basketball and so on and so forth. So I get that. Um, so it, I, I would say that my, my simplest answer is it depends on what the fighter wants for themselves. The fighter has to take into account for you know their own health, their well-being, um, their legacy. They have to come home to their families. They have to try to be, you know, they have to be the best that they, they can be for their families and for their sport. Sometimes you got to decide if you want to be regarded as a legend in the fans' eyes or if you want to live to fight another day. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of it's interesting because as a fan, um, at the end of the day, the fans care more about their own entertainment than they care about the fighters themselves. You know? Like, even going back to last week's fight, 
we don't have to like Sanders don't have to come home to us. He he got to come home to his family. Uh, and so, you know, as a fan, I can say what I want to see, but I can also understand. And his corner did the right thing in that fight. I think that you know, going back a little bit, uh, a little bit further, a year ago, uh, Waters' corner, even though Waters didn't like it, his corner did the right thing in calling that fight. There was no chance Waters was going to win that fight. So why do you want to continue to put damage as a corner? Why do you want to continue to put damage on that on that fighter? Uh, so I think I don't think it's like a, a one size fits all approach. I think it depends on the scenario um, and what the fighter wants for themselves. If you want to be regarded as a legend, and in the, in the you know in the fight game, yeah, you should probably go out on your shield. But if you want to live the fight of the day, and you know, then that's something you got to consider. And you know, that's kind of all I got with that. Anybody else have anything with that? Oh yeah, I just say that you know. I'm, what I'm speaking of is in general, and like, um, and I get all that. Like, yeah, people are taking, and you should, you should take, like, um, get as much leverage as you possibly can, and be able to maneuver, you know, best way you can, you know, in the sport, and you know, um, have as much say and as much power as you possibly can have. And, and I, I totally agree with that. I'm totally for that. And I like fighters to be able to, you know, um, control their, their own destiny more than they have in the past. Now, with that being said, I mean, then that goes into a whole nother conversation because sometimes when guys do have that type of power and that type of say, then we get into this situation where we get these bogus fights because then they get to picking and choosing. It's really... It's not what it, it, it and I, when I say what it was, I don't mean, I'm just saying from a competitive standpoint, like if you're in, a, in boxing, then they just have to create a situation that kind of forces guys to have to face each other. But that's a whole different conversation. But as far as going out on your shield, um, what I'm saying is this, is that, you know, for one, when it comes to, and I, like I said, I was talking to Billy Joe Saunders' case, he just should have not said anything then, because again, I'm holding you to your standard of what you're saying that you will never, you know, come out of a fight unless these things apply. Those things, mm-hmm. apply. you know what I mean. So I'm, I'm holding you to your standard. But as far as just in general, I think that when you have that passion, that hunger, that fight, that you know what I mean. Like again, it's, it, it behooves you to like get yourself a good team in order for them to like um, protect you from you. But at the same time, there should never be, in my eyes, room for you to ever even think about quitting. You know what I mean? Like, that's just me. Like, when I when I look at um, sports and, you know, whatever it is, it could be whatever, it's certain professions that you are in that you know what that entails. Like, if you're going to go ahead and do this, then that's what this is. If not, if you're not willing to do that, then you shouldn't even be in this sport. To me, like that's just how I look at it. But no, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. As far as like, I just think that a person, if they are in certain professions, man, that it just comes with those. That comes with the territory. And if you are aren't willing, you know, to go to that extent, then you shouldn't be in there. Because guess what? You're gonna find somebody who's gonna be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And then that's gonna be somebody that's gonna that you probably won't be able to beat if they're just as skilled as you, because they just gonna be not wanting to lose that bad and they willing to risk it all in order to get that victory and you're not so i'm gonna leave it at that man yeah 100 percent. it's a slippery slope you're right because you know what if you're just like naturally gifted right and then it might not be your passion but you're naturally gifted but you come up against somebody who also naturally gifted and it's their passion and both of y'all got to feed y'all families you know what I mean? Like that person that that's passionate about it is willing to die in that ring. Like he's probably, he's probably gonna be the one to come out of that ring victorious, more than likely. You know, so I hundred percent get where you coming from with that. Did anybody else have anything on that? No, sir. Cool. Uh, very good discussion, fellas. Um, the last one we had in the cards. Um. We have a potential. We we talked about a unification at 122 earlier. We have a potential unification from all the marbles at 168, possibly coming up around the same time frame in September, uh, with Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant. 
Now, we've talked about Canelo, you know, what his potential outlook is. We talked about that last week, where he's going from here. How can Caleb Plant potentially beat Canelo here? What What is his chances here? What would be a good strategy for him to employ for him to come out the unified champion of 168 at his young age? Um, I think, you know, really, to be honest with you, Caleb just had to be Caleb, you know, and do what it, you know, play to his strengths of, you know, boxing, Canelo. And the biggest thing for him, though, early on is that he would have to get some type of respect from Canelo. And the way he punches, I don't know, necessarily know if he would do that, but if, if that would be a good start, you know what I mean, early on, put something on Canelo where Canelo just has to like respect him as opposed to just being able to come in there. But Canelo is really good at being so defensively sound. Like he's a lot better defensively than we give him credit for. Um, or a lot of people give him credit for. So I don't know if that would be the case, but likely scenario for him to be successful, that would be something that he would have to do early. And then just use his, his you know, what he does. You know what I mean? Like use that boxing ability that he has, um, not necessarily get caught up in those exchanges with Canelo unless he's willing, you know, it just has to be on, on his terms. He has to be be the man that day and dictate the pace, you know, wrap him up, you know, when he get close and just kind of frustrate Canelo. And I think that that would be his path to victory because he has the size to be able to, you know, probably physically grapple with Canelo a little bit. You know what I mean? Canelo's not that big at 168, but he is strong um, at that weight. And um, I think that that would be his key to victory. And he would have to be in the best shape that he possibly could be in so he doesn't have those laws and he's not tired, you know, towards the tail end of the fight. And, you know, just put everything, you know, into that one night, and I think he can be victorious. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I would add is that, uh, you said something about, you know, coming in, being in shape, being his best. I would think that he would have to front load that um, because the thing, the fact of the matter is the more time you give Canelo, the more of a chance there is, the, the more you give him a chance to figure you out, right? So for for Plant, you have to gain a respect early and you really have to catch him off guard and try to – and honestly, like this is going to sound like a tall order um, – but you gotta try to get him out of there early because the the longer the fight goes, the less that the less of a chance there is that you're gonna win because Canelo, he's so experienced, right? At, at age thirty, uh, maybe I don't know when his birthday is. Maybe thirty one by the time you know September comes around. He's so experienced. He's almost seen it all in fighting, and so you know he there's a good chance he's gonna figure you out, and so you just kind of gotta blast him, like blast him quick early and often um that's kind of only chance that i see because you know even going into what the eighth round of sanders you know he wasn't he wasn't sitting on his stool in between that round you know he was ready he was still ready to go so his stamina is out of this world his his boxing iq is out of this world and so the only chance that you really have is just to like shock him with some something that he just hasn't seen before um, that's all I got, and and again I say that like it's a lot easier said than done, but that's that's kind of only thing I can think of for for someone like a plant. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys' points. Uh, like you said, Danny, it's a lot easier said than done. It's going pretty hard. Um, I kind of see it different in how it can plays out. I don't think he necessarily should have to blast Canelo out. I think he just has to be the best. Like you said, will be the best Caleb Plant he can be. Do enough to get Canelo's respect, but also be defensively responsible. I think when I when I look at what I, th- I think Canelo will have will have more trouble with a guy who boxes him than a guy who tries to blast him out. Um, even when we when, when you look at the history of guys he's had trouble with, whether he even won or lost, of course he had trouble with Floyd. Floyd's all time great. Floyd doesn't have, you know, uh, crazy punching power. He just had enough steam to get his respect. And he, and he, you know, most of the time he just moved a lot. And he was a lot of movement, a lot of jabbing, a lot of feints. He just gave Canelo a boxing lesson. Of course, Canelo hasn't proved since then. But still, it's, 
it, th- those same rules would probably still apply. You know, when you look at uh, fights with Arislandi, Lara, and even Austin Trout, um, both those guys use movements and, you know, and we're and, and using their jab and use a lot of boxing ability. You know, even when you look at uh, uh, the Triple G fight, um, especially the first one, he used he used his jab heavily. And, he, and Triple G is not even the mover that and doesn't have that size. Um, and Triple G used a, he was very, very jab heavy. I think Caleb Plant has a, a pretty good jab. He used lots of movement. I just, what I don't like about, uh, not saying what I don't like, what I think he can improve on is be more defensively responsible in the second half of the fight. I think that's where that fight will be won. And as soon as Canelo starts to step it up, I think that's when Plant has to conserve energy and be prepared to go to the place that, you know, he wants to go to if he needs to be the, be a winner. Um, I think Canelo's, you know, even back in the day, Canelo used to have stamina issues too. But also he improved on that. But also I think he's more composure and poised where, you know, he conserves energy a lot better. And I think Caleb Plant needs to kind of do that also. He needs to, to be poised, you know, not panic. Um, Canelo is the type of he's, – he's getting to be at a point in his career where he's a type of veteran that can sense when – guys are starting to fall apart mentally. Like even the Sanders fight, even when Sanders having, you know, success in the round, mentally you can tell he was kind of falling apart and you, and, and you just knew it. Um, Kalem Smith, you know, in that fight, you, you, you tell in the first round, he just start falling apart and saying, okay, whatever. You know, Plant has to be more uh, poised and prepared to, to, to fight a disciplined fight where, you know, just like uh, Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs was give, even given um, – Canelo a little bit of trouble. Uh, and and Dan, I remember Daniel Jacobs used to be described as chinny, you know, so it can be it can be done. It's easier said than done, but you have to, you know, Caleb Plant has to, you know, definitely be, be uh, fight a, 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 a very disciplined fight and a defensively responsible fight. And even, and, I, and, and even the other one, Miguel Cotto, I thought actually Canelo would beat Miguel Cotto easy and stop him possibly that version of Miguel Cotto Miguel Cotto same thing and Miguel Cotto you know a short guy with short arms but you know Miguel Cotto is very jab dominant he works off a strong jab and he and he he he, he, he a pretty good mover and he gets credit for as far as his footwork and and some of that was giving Canelo trouble where Canelo wasn't really trying to commit to to really trying to hurt uh Cotto like that so I think Caleb Plant can have success if he if he wants to if he trains to. Yeah, he he, he can. Um, the only drawback for him, though, is many of the guys that you mentioned they had like experience on top of experience against top level opposition, accompanied by amateur experience. You know, all of that type of stuff. Caleb Plant, like I said, he does it, is doing himself a disservice by just getting a belt. And then kind of, I wouldn't say milking a belt, but he's not really fighting your better type of opponents. And like I say, that right there is what is going to really to be the biggest difference in a matchup between him and Canelo is the lack of experience that he has against other elite guys. He had two or three of those fights underneath his belt. I would give him a very good shot at beating Canelo because he has the style to give Canelo all type of fits. But he's just not going to be ready for him. And once Canelo kind of like figures him out, you know, and Canelo's already figured him out because Canelo already set his schedule up in order to beat Plant. So that, like, go against Caleb Plant. He, that, that's what he's doing right now. Like, he, he got the game plan or whatever. He, he set it up. It's like this. Like, Canelo reminds me of, they say, like, if you are in – the Serengeti or wherever you see like lions or tigers. I want to say it's the tiger, but they say if you ever are in like one of those jungles and if you ever see the tiger, by the time you see it, you're done because he already plotted out how to go ahead and be in a position to attack you. And so if you see it, it's too late. So now Canelo reminds me of the same thing. Like when he decides that he wants somebody by that time, it's too late unless you've already been preparing for him as well. And I don't think Caleb Plant did that because he had some weak 
fights prior to this, and then also he's going to be coming off an injury. So he can't be as ready for Canelo as Canelo is ready for him. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap this up? <laughs> no, sir. Nope. I just got a few things, but I want to shout out to uh, Joshua. I think he called it uh, Bawatsi from the UK by way of Accra, Ghana. I checked him out on that The Zone app yesterday. He fought against a guy named Daniel Dos Santos. Um, pretty good fight, you know, but he's a pretty solid light heavyweight that you got coming out there. And um, out of the UK, he won by fourth round stoppage. Um, it was two undefeated guys going against each other. I know that in some of those um, groups that I'm in, the UK groups, they've been making a big deal about Bulatsi. And I can see what they're talking about, especially when it comes to his um, athleticism. He's, he's really athletic, and then he also has really heavy hands. He landed a thunderous, thunderous right hand at the end of the round four that just might be considered at least top three, top four knockouts of the year so far. Yeah, get a, If you get a chance, go ahead and check him out. What they're saying is that they're thinking about putting him in um, with somebody like a Pascal next. So that would be interesting to see. And I know Pascal and um, my main man um, that fights with Floyd. Um, Battle Jack. Battle Jack. They have that rematch coming up. So depending on that, that's who they're looking to see um, Buwazi fight against next. So, you know, be on the lookout for him. The other thing that I want to mention, man, I might be uh, in Milwaukee next week. Um, uh, one of my best friends um, that I grew up with. He passed away last Sunday. You know, after we got off last week, I found out that he passed away and his funeral is going to be next um, Saturday. So I just want to, you know, send a shout out and uh, rest in heaven to my main man, Derek Carter. You know, we went to high school together. Really long time friends after, um, like during high school, um, after high school, you know, he's one of the only guys, because I don't know phone numbers, right? And so he's, this is how close we, we were, is that he's one of the only guys that I remember his number. Like, when I come back in town, I would hit him up. And it was five, you know, don't call his number, though, 535-1174. So I just want to say rest in heaven to Derek. Um, but if that's it, we're going to wrap things up. And you all have a great week. Enjoy your Monday, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.